0: Well, my name is Lance Williams, I'm the lead pastor here at the Grove. Um, what an exciting day that we get to get into everyone's favorite verse in Galatians. You all have been wondering, when are we going to get to the fruit of the Spirit? Some good news, please. Because if you haven't been journeying with us um, through the book of Galatians, um, what you've found is four and a half chapters of you're a bunch of idiots. And why can't you get yourself together? And why are you giving into a false gospel? This is uh, the Word of God. Uh, not the words of Lance. And so when he says things like, you are a bunch of fools, um, those that's the language that he's using. And as we um, have journeyed through the book of Galatians, I don't know about you, but that has... Uh, gotten a little wearisome for me as I've prepared to preach uh, week in and week out. i gone, man, when do we get to kind of what do we do about all this? And today's the day where we jump into the what do we do. Um, as a reminder, Galatians was written to a bunch of church plants that Paul himself planted in modern-day Turkey, southern Turkey, And now he's writing back some months later um, and he's doing so as a firm rebuke to those that are giving into the false gospel of adding the earning of part of your salvation. Is this super loud to y'all? Okay, it's only going to get worse. So let's look. Okay, I'm sitting up here going, this feels loud. I don't want to scream at y'all. Um, I'm sorry. So if you could turn it down, it'd be awesome. Okay, maybe I have to scream now. I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, it felt louder to me um, as I was preaching. So I'm glad we took care of that at the front end so that you guys can um, not be hurt. Um, but this is, uh, this is the false gospel of adding, earning part of your salvation to the salvation that Jesus had already earned on our behalf. That's the gospel, that he loves us freely, that we don't have to pay him back, that we're not um, somehow, in a, in a merit system where we 're trying to earn things from God, and instead he loves us freely, and as a result, we want to love him and so there 's this tension that 's been been building all throughout galatians and it 's four and a half chapters of what we just talked about and so now here we are: what do we do after four and a half chapters of these warnings against the law, against submitting to parts of the law, your favorite parts of the law um, and, and Here was the temptation today we were even talking about it, about it before that when you start to pick and choose in the Bible, the things that you're not offended by or that you just really like, we're in danger. So the temptation is to to cut out of words that we, that we could read like the word orgy. We could cut that out because it's offensive or it's at least eliciting something in us that we're like, I don't know if I want my kids to hear that, but it's the Bible, right? (laughs) Some of you right now are going, eh, huh, did you have to? Uh Uh-huh. Because the Bible says it, right? And so whatever the Bible says, uh, that's what we're going to do. And so we're going we're to warn ourselves of, of things like that because they're prevalent. It doesn't mean what you think it means. Uh, all of a sudden, I got Indigo Mentoya right inside my heart. Uh, you keep using these words. But nonetheless, this is where we are. What do we do about this? We fight. Here's, here it is, y'all. We fight the good fight of faith. Why? My job today, Eugene Peterson, the job of a pastor is to uh, journey, like be the lead guide to the journey of the spiritual life that's happening within us. Not all the flash in the show. The life of God that's within us. My job today, my, my prayer today is to, been, to be that guide to the journey within. There is a war going on within you. There is an absolute all out War, not a battle, war for your soul that's being waged right now. It's happening. So there's some gravity now. And, and and it's no wonder that Paul's been saying the things that he's been saying for four and a half chapters, because this is a matter of life and death, and that's not being dramatic. So as we dig into these passages and we use words that might be uh, not offensive but certainly don't appeal to our sensibilities of what we want to hear in church, I would imagine we would join the Galatian believers and go, wow, Paul, did you have to go there? Yes, I did. And there's a reason for that because there is a war going on. If you don't know this, the world is changing. The world has largely been fought, all of wars really have largely been fought with hard power. Um, If you think about this, this is the language that some people are using, Um, hard power and soft power. If you think about it, um, like it's hardware and software, so the hardware of your computer or an iPad is the things that you can touch, right? Your mouse, your monitor, your keyboard, those things like that. Then there's the software, the things that you can't touch, the things that you know that are running in the background, and that's kind of where we're at in this world. We have forever fought wars with hard power, and we're continuing to fight with hard power. That's the technological advances that happen in the world. But may I submit to you that there is a shift that we need to be aware of, and it is a shift from hard power to soft power. Soft power is the exportation of a culture's values by ideas. So, if you could think about this, um, the Korean Peninsula is a good example of this. And war really is usually about imposing your culture on someone else, whether they want it or not. You think your culture is better than theirs, and so you're going to give them what they don't know that they need. That's a lot of what wars are about. And so what's happening now is that there's hard power and soft power, and we're moving towards soft power. This war of ideas, that we're not exporting our culture through military might as much as we used to, and instead it's now through ideas. So the Korean Peninsula is a good example of this. So the North Korea is hard power or soft power? What would you think? Hard. They're, how do they show their might? They, they, they blow missiles off in the middle of the Pacific. So there's military might that's being shown, and they're kind of like intimidating the world, like we have military might. And then there's the power of South Korea. And they're exporting their culture through the use of an idea, like K-pop and BTS. If you don't know who BTS is, your students probably do. They have sold uh, 10 million albums through this terrible boy band called BTS, faster to 10 million albums than the Beatles. Now that's saying something. They're exporting their culture through the use of an idea. Hollywood is a good example of soft power. They export their ideas and their idea, ideology through the use of art. the use of ideas. I submit this hard power and soft power uh, framework to you because the enemy is not using hard power. It's not stuff you can see. He is using soft power. Ideas. He always has. Always has. So if you go back to the garden with Adam and Eve, he doesn't go to them. the, The serpent shows up. and He doesn't go to them and bite them. That would be hard power. What does he do? He puts a little seed of doubt in Eve's mind. Did God really say that? Here's a new idea. I know that he said uh, that you're free, right? But you don't, you don't really believe that, do you? Because he's, he's oppressing you. See, there's a different idea that's being sown into, uh, into the mind of Eve during that moment, and it's is God good or not? Of course, we all know that she bought into the lie that he's not good. He is holding out on us and therefore I'm going to do things my own way. You look at Genesis 2 and what is the first thing that God says to man? You are free to eat of any garden, any tree in the garden except for the tree of good and evil. Within this garden that he created, there were limits that Adam and Eve had. That there was total freedom, and yet in that freedom there was a limit not to eat the tree of good and evil. And so the enemy comes and he starts to sell an idea through soft power. That's what's going on inside of each one of us. That's why Paul also writes in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 which say this about this, this war that's going on. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. A thought, a system of thought, an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental, the basic spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. There is a war going on for our minds and our hearts that I hope and pray that we are aware of that the enemy is trying to use ideas. He's not going to come at you full front, right? He's going to come at you from the side and start to get you to guess And to start second-guessing the goodness of God. And for us, this spiritual war has been waged really all all the way back since the garden, right? And so we have three enemies. We have the enemy, which wages, which, which orchestrates all of this, who is Satan, right? He is a created and therefore finite being, a fallen angel, the prince of the power of the ruler of the air, The Bible says. He is created and he has fallen. We have the world which is an external system of influence and an economy that is an active rebellion against God. That's the world around us. Active rebellion against God. And then we have our flesh. This is the internal temptations to want to be like the world. And so Satan sets up a system to use the world to arouse in us the internal desires of the flesh. This is, what this, this is how spiritual warfare works, right? This is what is going on inside of all of us, that there is a battle going on for our souls. So let me go a little bit deeper on this and just kind of ask us, like, what really is going on inside of us? And Paul is so happy to tell us in Galatians 5, 16 to 18. Let's read that together so we can kind of break this down. What is going on inside of us? It is this. This is what's going on. This is the war being described. Verse 16 of Galatians 5. But I say, Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There was a direct correlation for Paul between living underneath the law and desires of the flesh, and then that waging war against the Spirit of God who has set us free from all that. So this is kind of the picture. They don't go on parallel lines of life and the flesh. They go absolutely against one another, that the flesh is pushing against the Spirit so that if I want to do spiritual things, the flesh is saying, no, no, I don't want you to do those things. And now if I want to do fleshy things, the Spirit is pushing against the flesh just say, you shouldn't do those things. The Spirit is alive in you. Don't do it, man. There's a better way. There is a war, a tug of war going on in each of our hearts in any given moment. It's a fascinating reality that that's what's happening right before us. But see, that's only part of the story. What Paul is trying to get us to understand is that this is actually good news that there's a war going on. See, the bad news is that before we became believers, before we were regenerated in our hearts by the power of the Spirit, we only served one thing, and that was the flesh. So before you were a believer, what you did, the Bible would say that you were enslaved to your sin. So I'm gonna use an example I've used a long time ago but it's this, it's this, this like example of two fields that Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about out of Romans 6. And these two fields are set up for us. And these two fields, um, uh, the first one is where you used to live. This is where you used to obey your old sinful nature. That's the flesh. This nature that is by nature sinful through and through, 100% sinful. So on your best day, we were, we were not good enough for the goodness of God. On our best day apart from Jesus, uh, no good, right? Because we're in this old field. So field one, I'm gonna call the field of now. This is where your sinful nature reigns. This is where Satan rules. And this is where Ephesians 2 says, you were fine. You were fine obeying Satan. You were fine obeying and giving in to the to the to the to the desires of your flesh. You are good following the ways of this world. This is field one. But when we became believers, God gave us a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that... Well, there it is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So, we once lived in this field one, the field of now, and all of a sudden there is this impenetrable and unscalable wall, better than Trump ever even thought about building, and over here is the life of the Christian world. It's field two, I'm gonna call this field eternity. But here's the thing about these two fields. When we first start walking, we're real close to that wall. And remember who's over across that wall? Satan. And we're walking. He's just calling out to us. He has no power over us. We just did this in, in in the part of confession, right? Of our gathering. He has no power over us, but there's still influence. And so he can't come and grab us and bring us back over to field one, but he can call out to us from field one. And he can say, I'll I'll never do those things. He just like, like, like the voice of an old abuser, like promise you the world, promises you that things will be different this time. You just come on back over to the field. If you just come, actually, you don't have to come close to the field. Just stay real close to the wall so that I can continue to have influence in your life. You see, that's how this spiritual warfare is working because at, at one point you were only in this field where we obeyed all these sinful desires. God transported you, that old is gone, and now we're in a new field. And if we would just plow faithfully into eternity away from the wall, the influence of our enemy would get softer and softer, more distant. And more distant till one day he might call out to us and we just go, I don't even know who that is anymore. But we there's something almost contradictory to our experience in all of this. See, our experience tells us, well the scriptures tell us that the old is gone and the new is come. Or, what we read earlier in verse 24, it would say this in in, in 524, it says this, and those who belong to Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've put to death the flesh, we've crucified it publicly. Is that our experience? Is our experience that our flesh is dead? Not my experience. October 12th, 1999, when I got saved at about 10.05 p.m. I I can't tell you at that moment, all of a sudden, every fleshly desire was gone. Matter of fact, you all know me well enough to know that ain't true, bro. You still like to live in that that old field. And some days, that's true. But I don't live there. And so here's kind of this picture that I, I, I sensed that I got this week. I've always had trouble... Um, explaining this power that's been cut off and yet there's a reality that we live in that our experience just goes, man, what is that? And so I want to put this picture up here of a favorite toy of my kids and of me growing up. You guys know this? Spin art, right? Right? So this is how I kind of, I, I, how I see it. Like with spin art, if you ever played, who's, who's done spin art? Let me see, how figure how, okay, how deeply I need to go into this. Okay, so some of us have done spin art. Most of us have done it. Beautiful. And we still have a hand up. Thank you, I see that hand. Yes, ma'am. Um, all right, so... Uh, yeah, she was all she's like, absolutely. I'm I'm down for spin art. Okay, so here's the deal: like you you turn it on and it spins at a rapid rate, and then you put little drops of paint and it splatters out to where hopefully you have a cover over your spin art. If not, it's gonna it's a bad move. Um, and so, if you're doing this with your children, your your kids want to take the cover off. That's a bad move every single time. But here's the deal, and here's what I think. Uh, let's just see if it works, right? That I think the power of the flesh is like spin art. That you push power and it comes on and it spins out all this craziness. But if you push power again, it turns off. But what happens? It continues to spin. Does it not? It continues to fling paint all over the place if you're not careful. And I think that's a little bit like the power of the flesh. It has been crucified, but the thing about crucifixion is that it's a slow, agonizing death. And so the power has been cut off, but it continues to fling muck and mess all throughout your life, just like spin art. And he just throws it all over the place. The flesh just continues to have its way even though the power supply has been cut off. See that's what's going on inside of all of us. That's what's going on and I think Paul is trying to describe for us hey it's been cut off, the power supply is gone but there's still effects of all this and because we may not understand exactly what those effects are he just goes ahead and and just lays it out for all of us. But before he lays lays it out, right, he says, you you don't have to give into living by the flesh. Instead, if you walk by the Spirit, he starts it and ends it this way. If you walk by the Spirit, you will put to death the desires of your flesh. So let's get into what this war looks like for us inside of us, this fleshy, sinful desire that continues to try and call out over the wall or just continue to be spread out amongst our lives. This is what the Bible says. And I'll just say this: this is the war defined. Galatians 5: 19 through21. Now, the works I want you to see the contrast here. the works of the flesh are obvious. Don't let your mind fool you. Don't let the enemy deceive you. These are works of the flesh. Now here's how it's deceit- deceitful before I go any further. We're gonna start to go, oh, I do a little bit of that, but it's okay. We're gonna start to go, oh, it's, it's fine. Like it's, it, I, it's covered under the blood. I'm just telling you right now, this is a work of the flesh and a war against our souls. First Peter says that we have to abstain from, from fleshy desires, sinful desires, because they're waging war against us. So let's not read these and dismiss them. But here's what they are. The um, works of the flesh are evident, obvious, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and because he's not done, all the things that look like that too. What, 15 or 16 things that Paul unravels for us, and so you might think to yourself, are we gonna go through all those? Yep, so here we go. This is what he means when he's saying these things, and I do this not to like be uh, profane or profound, but to be clear, because I think if we have a better understanding of what these acts of sinful nature are that are obvious, we might see the war that's going on within our own homes. So first one is this, right? Sexual morality. Greek word for sexual morality is porneia. Porneia. So if you read the rest of the definition, what you'll start to see is it's a catch-all word for sexual sin. It could be adultery. It could be fornication. It could be incest. For us in our world, we know what, what, what the root word of porneia is. First four letters are pretty clear. But this idea that pornography comes from this idea. And and if you really dig through what pornography is, originally it meant and it referred to the writing or the drawing of the sale of slaves. Particularly those of prostitutes. So when we start thinking about the root word of pornography, we're starting to get into human trafficking We're starting to get into prostitution. We're starting to get into the viewing of that for pleasure. How deeply wretched that is before God, and here's why. It's not because of the breakdown of the words. It's because many of those women are victims of abuse from their childhood, and they have no idea what to do with it. Men too. Many of those people that you see that are committing those acts, are victims of abuse. Many of them are are stuck in a situation they can't get out of. That's called human trafficking. That's called slavery. So when male or female, I'm not coming down on on only the males here, and the Bible isn't, but male or female, and when we view those things, perhaps it will put a bitter taste in your mouth, knowing the reality behind What's being faked right before you? That it's trafficking, it's abuse, and that may change our hearts towards what we may excuse on the regular. Here's the deal: statistics tell me more than half of us are dealing with us right now. This is a serious issue. And you know, we're, 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 when you do the statistics on the map of the U.S., where the biggest contributors to pornography use is? The Bible Belt. It's not in evil Oregon. It's right here. It's not in leftist or wherever. It's right here under our noses. And I think we have to understand that this is a true fight going on. And here's what I want you to know. Hey, you're not alone. There are people in this room that are struggling through this, I, and I call it a struggle because they don't want to do it anymore. There are people in this room that have gone through what we call redemption groups to get them out of slavery, to put them on a path of purity, which is the next act of sinful uh, nature, your flesh. Your flesh. There are people in this room that are actively working to not let this part of their flesh have ownership over their lives because they know it doesn't belong. So if, if that's you, male or female, would you just come and talk to me? And if that's, if, if there's too much shame for you in that, I understand. Would you reach out to me though? I don't like, I get the info at thegrovechurch.net. So I'll get that. If you want to email me, lance at thegrovechurch.net, that's fine too. I'll give you my phone number. Somebody in here has my phone number. Somebody, please, I'm just saying right now, it is not worth it if you continue on in this path. It creates impurity, which is the uncleanliness with God that you have as a result of sexual sin. This is the thing that would have kept you, at, kept you out of the temple in the Old Testament. It continues on, right? Um, sensuality and debauchery. So the first three are in this category of sexual sin. Um, if you didn't like the Super Bowl, this is why. Because you're like, that's just sensual. And if you thought that was uh, woman empowerment, I would go, man, we are really in an age that is confusing empowerment with enslavement. It is an unbridled pursuit of pleasure. That's sensuality. That's first category is these sexual sins because the flesh wants to lie to you. The flesh will overemphasize the experiences of pleasure and say, this is where life is found continuing on in the spiritual realm this is the flesh saying hey your spiritual experiences need to be normative you need to live on the mountaintop on a regular basis and so you start to pursue things that that create False expressions of God's security that He's su- su- supplied for you. So, first one is this: is idolatry. It's just making good things into God things. That could be sports, that could be gambling, that could be sex, money, power, control, certainty—you name it—and it can become an idol. Secondly, underneath this spiritual idea is sorcery. The word for that is pharmakeia. That's pharmaceuticals. And look at look at this definition. Right, the use of drugs or deceit to counterfeit the work of the Spirit. We might think, well, how do we do that? I don't know. Ask the Lord. I'm not here to to be Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord. But I do think there's a correlation here between the Greek understanding, just like there is of pornea, as there is in pharmakeia, that maybe, could be, not saying you, but might be, there's an overuse. Certainly in this country, there's been an overuse This epidemic has been an overuse of pharmaceuticals to counterfeit the work of the Spirit, to take the edge off. So I just gotta get more painkillers. If that's you, there's help available. I'm telling you right now. The power of the Spirit is available to you. Relationally, the flesh destroys our relationship. And so he tries to get you to think about ways that you would be You would kind of set up enmity amongst one another, that you would have an adversarial attitude and it leads to hatred, that you would set up strife or discord. Just living a contentious life without reflection on how that reflects, how that affects other people. Like, we could go keep going through this and we will, but we can just go, man, that's me for sure. Like if we go through this, I, I, you know what? I committed to idolatry on the regular. It's why I need to be reminded again and again of, of the goodness and the presence of God that whatever I'm seeking, man, he's better. His promises are better for me. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to want what other people have. This is like behind most Facebook and Instagram accounts. And if you're on Pinterest, man, Hello. Ooh, I just want to have good ideas. But now that I'm here, I think I want all the things. You know what? I'm not so satisfied with this anymore. But Pinterest and Hobby Lobby, I'm just going to peruse. The men are laughing. Women are silent. Fits of anger, uncontrollable verbal and physical violence, rivalries of selfish ambition. This is literally canvassing for political office amongst one another. You're using someone else to get something for yourself. Dissensions, that we would set up positions of opposition. This isn't like, I disagree with you and I would humbly submit a different idea. This is, I don't care if it's good or bad, I'm opposed to you. And if you don't think that happens, it happens. How about um, divisions or factions? So the Greek word is heresy, heresy. But not just in matters of theology, but deliberate competition. I have an extra thought to that thought. That was good, but have you thought about this awesome thing? Overly uh, competitive with one another. And then finally, envy with this relational part. Envy, a general discontent with what God has provided. Life in the suburbs does nothing else than to just arouse these desires in us for that and this and over there. I'd like a little bit of that. It's in us. Finally, these last two where you're gonna squirm a little is the social part, it's not just that there's relational, but there's a, 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 a public part to the social part, this is, starts with two, and it's drunkenness, which is just unrestrained drinking, you and I both know that Ephesians 5 would say, and if you don't know, here it is, that it says, do not get drunk on wine, and for all you beer drinkers out there, you're going, see there, it only says wine, Do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. They're in direct opposition to one another, a drunkenness and a filling with the Spirit, which is what we're talking about. And then the second one is orgies and the like. This is not what we think. It is wild parties, which include excessive drinking and the pursuit of pleasure without restraint. Now, that would lead to what we know as an orgy, but it's excessive drinking with whomever And it's unbridled in its restraint for the pursuit of pleasure. These are obvious. We might go, man, I'm not a part of that. Good. Praise God. And maybe you are and you're just trying to figure out how to get out. The Lord provides a way. So not only is all that there, but I would say this. There's this warning, right? There's a warning here, and I've got to pick up the pace. There's a warning in verse 21, uh, and this is what it says. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but that's challenging for me. I remember when I first became a believer at A&M, I was almost 21, I was two months before my 21st birthday, and I remember leaving behind a bunch of my friends that I used to party with and go do those things with, and I just remember going like, I can't hang out with these guys anymore, I can't, I'm not strong enough to stand against the enemy in that environment, because I like those guys, and they will convince me that this is more fun than not doing it, so I just left them, I couldn't do it. It was a sad, I stole it back on my and I'm like, man, I, wish I, could have, I wish I could have dealt with that better or differently. I didn't have the power to, I didn't have the skills. But I remember asking someone, a spiritual teacher of mine at that, at that moment when I read Galatians 5 and I was just like, hey man, are you telling me that, that the people that I love, these guys and gals are gonna go to hell? That person looked at me with good intent, said, scholars have been debating that for years. And I can't tell you yes or no. Paul says, if you have, not if you have done these things. I want you to see something here. Something here in the language that isn't there in 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 the English. Those who do such things. This is a present, active participle. Those who make the habit Of doing these things, those who live like this, if you have a life that is marked with all this flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom. Why? Because your behavior has indicated that you do not belong to the king. Your behavior has indicated your belief. So it's no wonder that you would not be a part of the kingdom because you don't belong to the kingdom. And conversely, now Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit have nine facets. I want you to understand this. Where we had works of the flesh, there is one fruit of the Spirit. So many of us think that this tree of, the, of God in our lives has like this tree and all these little fruit on there. And there's one little fruit of peace and joy and patience and self-control. and Not the way that this works. It's all one fruit. And there are nine parts to this fruit. And so if you take a little bite of one of it, you're going to get all of it. It's kind of how this works with the scriptures. So there's one fruit of the spirit. It has nine facets like a diamond. And again, I'm going to go quickly. You guys have heard a lot of these, but I want to, I want to put it before our, um, before our minds. So, love is seeking another's good while sacrificing yourself. You seek and serve another while sacrificing yourself. If you want to be a person of love, you will be inconvenienced. It will go beyond your preferences and your desires. If you want to be known by love, which I think we all do, it's, it's going to go beyond what you want to do, and it's going to go into, all right, how did Jesus then love me? Oh, he did so faithfully and he he didn't pick and choose the parts of me that he's gonna love and accept. He instead chose to love me unconditionally, like beautifully, faithfully all the time. I'm gonna go do the same thing. Joy, it is not found in hoping in smooth circumstances, but instead it says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord, therefore I say it again, rejoice. That it is a hope found in God in whatever it is that he has for us in circumstances. And in fact, that leads into peace, that we would have a contentment with whatever God provides, that God has so given us peace in his son, that whatever he provides in circumstance, we can have a deep and abiding peace if we did we would have more patience that we would not be easily offended by others do you do you define patience as that i don't i know this that i'm a parent i lose patience on the regular and i don't think i'm easily offended by them although when i think i go that's exactly what's going on because usually i go well why didn't you like how could you not know i'm offended that you don't know and impatience starts to bear fruit. Patience, that we would be easily offended, that we would not be long suffering with the sins, the ignorance, the, um, the inabilities, or the immaturity of others. Kindness, this is one that surprised me a general benevolence and generosity towards others in word and deed. Those that are kind in your life, they have a posture of blessing to you. That's how you know they're kind, they're generous. Goodness, that you're the same person in every situation. You're not hypocritical. They know exactly who you are. Why? Because you got faithfulness in you. You're true to your word. Your yes is yes and your no is no. You are dependable in the face of adversity. You have gentleness in you if you are born of the spirit, which again, just shocked at what some of these mean, like submitted to God's sovereignty, which produces humility. Yeah, when I'm not gentle, I start to think about like the reason why is because I didn't get my way. so I'm not not trusting in the sovereignty of God. And then finally, self-control is where I've landed the last year or so. It is the spigot. Anytime you can use the word spigot this week, use the word spigot. It is the spigot that lets out fruit of the spirit and keeps in deeds of the flesh. It's being able to do and say the right thing at the right time in the right moment. And so, There is this beautiful treasure that is set up right against the flesh. We want to live this way, we want to live this way. So, as we walk forward, what do we do? Verse 25 will tell us if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Here's the trap the trap is I want to be more patient, and so I'm going to focus on being more patient. That's a secondary issue. The goal is to abide in the vine, to love and treasure Jesus. And if we walk the way Jesus walked, if we walk by the Spirit with the Spirit and we do the things that Jesus says for us to do, will not patience come out? Will not joy come out? Um, and the, the, the problem, though, is that this is a slow and painstaking process. Um, like so slow that... Um, we want to give up. And so to steal a little bit of next week's thunder, that there's this command to not give up, that we will bear fruit in a season of harvest if we would not give up, because it is a slow and painstaking process. But let's go back to the wall and the two fields, the field of now where Satan lives, and the field of eternity where the Spirit lives, that if we continue to plow forth to eternity, if we continue to just abide in the vine, if we continue to walk by the Spirit's power with the Spirit as he counsels us, comforts us, corrects us along the way, what will happen? The promise is we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so I have this um, lemon tree at my house and um, like Sometime in March or so, it looks like this. This is what, in, in March, it looks like this, right? It's a little flower. This is what, this is what it looks like. And so it just, it just starts off as one thing. And then in May, I took this picture of my lemon tree. And this is this, is this little, look at that little thing. Little guy. Ain't he cute? He ain't ready to eat, though. You eat that, you're gonna be in trouble. And then yesterday, I started, we just cleaned the lemon tree. This is the second harvest from the lemon tree in the radio flyer. I'm positive that's going to fall on me. So, I don't know about you, but do your lemons, do you get them at the grocery store and they're like grapefruit? Because they just grow at my house. Um, And so, like, over time, this takes a year for it to finally start to produce fruit in a way that Is enjoyable. Yesterday we made lemonade, and it was delicious. And so, like, we I brought these number one because I don't want them. (laughs) Um, And number two, but like, like here, here it is. I didn't. So, for those of you that don't know me, I'm not this clever. Okay, instead, I looked at Melissa yesterday and I go, I think we need to clean the lemon tree off. Like, it's probably time. Those are gonna fall and it's gonna be a mess. And she's like, okay, got the family out there. And while I'm picking the fruit, I go, I think I just got an illustration. And she goes, you mean you weren't doing this for tomorrow? And I was like, no. She was way ahead of me and I was way behind. But nonetheless, here we are. We're landing the same destination. Don't judge me. But here's the deal, right? Like, like, they're like good fruit, here. The beautiful thing is that it's, it's better when you share. Yeah, go ahead, Reese. Oh, help me. Um, right? So like like there's a car for you and a car for you and one in the back. Boom. Right? They're just better when you share it. This is the beauty of fruit. Yeah, yeah right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's better when you share it. So this is, uh, yeah, I don't think so. Like, this is the beauty of fruit, of spiritual fruit, is that, you know what? I didn't have to do anything. They just grew. And you know what the tree did? It just just was in the ground. It abided where it was supposed to be. The, The right nutrients were there. The Spirit is gonna give us the right nutrients to bear fruit in time. And so a year from now, you might look back and go, I wouldn't have handled that with as much patience as I just did. That's evidence that there's been something growing on the tree, I wouldn't have been as gentle 10 years ago with that situation as I just was. This is evidence. See, the works of the flesh are obvious and the fruit of the spirit isn't always. And so we have to abide. We have to continue. We have to continue to trust him even when it's just a little flower, even when it's a little green, little lime looking thing. Because when you come to my house in May, people go, oh, you got a lime tree. Mm, Go ahead, eat one, have fun. Instead, it is a lemon tree, and you know it because it bears fruit like a lemon. And that's the Christian life for all of us. That's the victory that God lays out for us when he says, I have transferred you out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of his wonderful son. And he says, man, just come and taste and and then see how good the Lord is. So as we transition into communion, would this thought process be in our minds. The Lord has something out there for us. If we would just get out of the first field, trust the Lord to transfer us into the second that we may walk in faithfulness and fruitfulness ahead. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we trust you to bear fruit in our lives, even when we don't see it. That's why we're saying, like, even when we think the answer's no, God is good all the time. And we have crucified the power. We have turned it off, but the effects are still real in our lives. So Holy Spirit, by the power of the resurrection that's in us, would you help us walk faithfully, in step with your spirit, however that may look this week. And so as we respond, maybe... As I was preaching, there's something that was said that we need to repent of. Maybe there's something that we just need to silently confess before the Lord, and I pray that we would do that. Or maybe there's just like a lot of victory that you've experienced. You need to give God gratitude for that. Wherever we are in that process, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you help us? Comfort us as we move forward through. Communion, we remember the sacrifice that you performed on our behalf to give us grace. Not law, but the spirit, love, joy, and peace, patience, and all the rest. Would you help us respond? We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.